Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail, the past 20 or so months have been hugely disruptive to a bunch of different industries. But for some, particularly those with an international clientele, our COVID response has been a bit of a boon. The Film Commission says New Zealand's coronavirus response and border exemptions for overseas cast and crew have kick-started what could be a record year ahead for the screen industry. Last week, Netflix premiered its new show, Cowboy Bebop, a live-action version of the legendary Japanese anime series, which broadcast in the early 2000s. The show was filmed entirely in New Zealand, but not the silver screen New Zealand we've become accustomed to. There are no snow-capped mountains or bucolic Otago landscapes. This is set in a gritty, futuristic dystopia, as far from Lord of the Rings as you can get. So, naturally, it was filmed in Auckland. Today on the podcast, we speak to the American showrunner and the Kiwi location manager of Cowboy Bebop about filming a big-budget TV show in the midst of a global pandemic and how international productions are being drawn to New Zealand for more than just our scenery. Cowboy Bebop takes place in the year 2071. Earth is uninhabitable as the result of a catastrophic accident, and humans have survived by colonising a bunch of rocky planets and moons in the solar system. In an effort to stem soaring crime rates, the solar system police force creates a register of bounty hunters. A group of ragtag bounty hunters traverse the solar system looking for the most wanted and the most dangerous, all bounties that the cops themselves don't want to chase down. This is Andre Nemec. You can tell he's given that pricey a few times before. Nemec is Cowboy Bebop's showrunner. I really oversee all of it uh, at the end of the day. I'm, I'm quote-unquote, the responsible (laughs) for everything. Um, so I uh, usually start by hiring the writing staff and pulling together that team, working with the writers on a daily basis, rewriting top editing scripts, casting, overlooking set design, set builds, costumes, props, visual effects, editing, um, you name it. I really um, I put my fingerprint into every aspect of the show. I guess in the old adage, the buck stops at the showrunner's desk. You, um, I think I'm right in saying that you discovered this show, Cowboy Bebop, about a decade ago. Can you explain how that sort of came about? I came to the the show through the music. I I heard the soundtrack and was really wowed by it. I was like, what is this funky, wild, eclectic, groovy jazz and uh, my brother turned to me, he was the one playing it, and he said, uh, it's uh, Yoko Kano, it's Cowboy Bebop, as if I should know what it was. And uh, I said to him, what's a, what's a Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> and he proceeded to sit me down in front of his TV where he had all of the uh, episodes of the anime on his DVR. And uh, I started watching and I fell quite in love with the show. How did the production end up in New Zealand of all places? It's an interesting question. We kind of looked um, in a bunch of different places and talked about a different, a bunch of different places to go. The truth is, the world is really full mm. of 
productions everywhere. It's, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to find a spot. Um, and New Zealand both had availability and had an incredible pool of very very talented people that felt like this was the place to go. We are going to find real artisans, craftsmen, and storytellers. Uh, to round out our production if we go to New Zealand. And, and that's really how we made the call. And I visited New Zealand um, early in 2019 and took a trip. And as I did, both between meeting the people and seeing kind of what sort of the spirit and the energy of New Zealand was, I, I was feeling very confident about, you know, setting the show up there. Elaborate a little bit on that personnel facet for me, because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's one of those things that maybe people don't necessarily understand is the enormous scope of people that are actually involved with making a show of this kind of level and listeners in New Zealand might not necessarily have an understanding of the level of production talent that there actually is in this country. I mean, there is an incredible wealth of artistic talent in the film industry that exists in New Zealand. I mean, it's not a secret. When you talk about taking on an endeavor like this, yeah, it is not just the production designers and the costume designers and the prop masters and the set decorators and the picture car wranglers. It's the entire team of people that surround those department heads that are artisans and storytellers and craftsmen by their own right. Everything down to plasterers and painters and you know, that, that deal with the details on the set we're building an entire world and that world, you know, there are hundreds of people that work on this show to bring it to life. And when you can go somewhere where the talent pool is rich, those details really matter. You see them, they, you, they exist in the corners of the frames and the, on the sides and the bottoms directly behind somebody. And all of those things tell a story. And the beauty of it is that for Cowboy Bebop, we were really able to pull together a crew of people that were all fans of the anime that all really loved the source material. So everybody really took it on in a beautiful way to say, I'm not just doing this job where I'm painting the set or I'm sewing the lapel or I'm, you know, attaching a holster to somebody's hip. How are we making this worthy of cowboy bebop? And everybody really did go the extra mile and put in the extra love to pay attention to those details. One of those crew members was Clayton Tikal, a filmmaker, location scout, and Cowboy Bebop's supervising location manager. Which is um, the best way to describe it as project management on steroids. <laughs> Elaborate on that for me, because that's a nice, I mean, that's a nice soundbite, but like, what, what, what does it actually mean? Effectively, what I what my my role probably could be described as a it could be a, could be described as a being a project manager. I mean, it's um, uh, it's just that we our timeframes that we work to from an idea from a script or a, a, you know that we receive to filming can be as short as six weeks mm-hmm. and and sometimes less. And so within that uh, timeframe, we need to not only do we need to find the location and we need to get all the stakeholder consents. We also need to work through with our various creative departments um, and what they would like to do at the locations and and obviously convey that, get the permissions for that from the location owners, both verbally and officially. Um, And and these stakeholders can vary from being local bodies to 
um, Department of Conservation or um, uh, they can be in multiple um, owners or, or location owners within a, an environment. So, so it's a multiple pieces and multiple strands need to be pulled together to get us over the line um, in terms of when we turn up on the filming day that I don't have any, um, everyone's up to speed, everyone knows what's going on. Um, we have all the appropriate consents in place, so there's no issues when we come to shoot. Now, in a shoot like Bebop, we can have, you know, 250 crew, can have 60 or 70 vehicles. Uh, I can take out um, uh, the crew alone just to park downtown. We may take up to 160, 170 car parks in the parking building. So so all this stuff needs to be sorted out in advance. So it's just, it's a whole lot of things that need to happen really quickly. Uh, and uh, at the end of it, we're left with nothing. You know, we, we, we drive away. And all we've got is a, is, a, is imagery on a on a stick, you know, on a on a on a on a hard drive. That's it, you know. So, so it's sort of you know, it's unlike other project management roles where people are building bridges or they're building uh, or, or or managing interior fitouts for large commercial operations. You know, they see something into it. Well, for us, it's just a it's a bunch of images on a hard drive. What sorts of skills are important for a role like that? Do you just have to have like an encyclopedic knowledge of? of New Zealand and the various sort of geographical characteristics that, that different areas kind of have and then match them up to a director's vision? Like, how, how does that work? Having a knowledge of the geography of New Zealand is important, but it's not super important. What's important is that you listen to what the vision of the director is and then you match that vision to the geography of New Zealand or to... Uh, particular environment and and look that you know the, the wonders of the internet is that you can let your fingers do the walking mm. and um start to really look at you know certain regions and and look at the landscape and look at look there are thousands of photos on the internet of uh regions and and you know the the um you know the gisbons the hawks bays the uh, Wellington, Canterbury, um, Otago, you know, so you can look at them and you can just get a general drift of the gist of the, of the look of the land or the, the lay of the land and then start sort of going and, and what I do is I'll zero in once I sort of see, you know, that particular area actually looks really good and sometimes you get some surprises. Sometimes, you know, that there'd be a region that you just didn't think had that look mm-hmm. and there's a pocket or there's a valley there that you look notice at an image and you know, I can spend seven or eight hours just scanning through images and just looking at stuff and and i go well that's good and then i start zeroing in on that sort of stuff and trying to find more images of that area and then if i see enough then i'll travel out i'll actually travel to that region i'll travel to that valley and go have a look yes i have built up a pretty good knowledge of new zealand over the last 20 years but you know look as uh, there's always i always say to people that every six weeks i'll see something that i just have never seen before and it takes my breath away it's so beautiful and you know, this is the blessing of living in a country like this were you familiar with the anime when you when you got this gig in the first place no i wasn't but my daughter was um <laughs> my my daughter knew all about it she she she's a bit of an anime fan and and she knew about bebop so she was sort of you know, going, wow, that's cool, Dad. You know, you're working on Cowboy Bebop. And I, I to be honest, you know, it sounds terrible, but I've never heard of it. But uh, I love Japanese storytelling and I love the way, you know, the anti-hero nature of of Bebop and the jazz element. Um, I'm not that I'm a big fan of jazz, but I, I love it in the way that they've applied it to this particular project. Oh. And, and just the dystopian world that they existed in um, as a filmmaker as a, as a as a location guy you know it's the sort of stuff that we 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 like to um try and pull together because it's it's not just we weren't shooting 
there was the look of beautiful mountains and lovely valleys and beautiful rivers that didn't it's not what bebop is about bebop is 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 about dystopia and interesting fruity worlds and fruity environments it's never was never straightforward it was never sort of you know there's this stereotypical classic office building it had to have something quirky about it it's so interesting to hear you talk because this project aesthetically anyway is completely different from what most people would associate with movies filmed in new zealand uh, they wanted they wanted character they wanted um it was it was about you know if it couldn't have been if it could be grottier they wanted grottier we didn't want to have anything um modern and new if it was modern and new it had to have character it had to have something about it some interesting quirk about it so it wasn't sort of it's the sort of stuff i haven't done a lot of scouting for for a long time because often you know everyone wants the most beautiful thing you can possibly find or the most you know like i said the most beautiful landscape Mm. this was all about grimy dark edgy um you know so the parts of the city that we're in particular in Auckland that we were looking to shoot in were not areas that would would be normally the places that you would shoot um and or you know that's not necessarily true there's some parts of K Road that that often get filmed in but everything had to be edgy it had to be interesting and it had to have um yeah white and uh silver was the last thing they were looking for Mm. in terms of a look it was always something that had character um, you know, from the train station, the old grand train station, you know, big, uh, what they call the grand apartments now, to underneath the um, Te Oniwa Pa on underneath the Auckland Harbour Bridge. The look of the underneath of the Auckland Harbour Bridge is gorgeous. So, but but not in a in a pretty way. It was gorgeous in a in a you know, there's girders crisscrossing everywhere, and we the way we lit it, we had guys up there for four days, I think, um, putting lights into the structure of the of the underneath of the bridge to give it depth, and um, and we had lights on barges lighting back towards the bridge just to give it that to how would I describe it? exaggerate the the what we considered beauty in terms of the shot, but exaggerate the industrialness of 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 the structure and you know a lot of that stuff has disappeared from Auckland so it was sort of yeah we managed to dig out some pretty interesting locations I was listening to an interview with Jane Campion about her most recent film she was talking about how they wanted to film it in Montana in the US but they ended up I think it was in central Otago maybe going for that kind of like dusty hot backcountry kind of um farmland kind of kind of thing when we were in Montana um we had a scout with us and Jack Fisk who was with us at that point handed it to the scout and said um we're in Montana these are pictures of New Zealand from uh you know central Otago saying whereabouts in Montana will we find this and he said oh I think that's a bit further south than where we are you know And then we all looked at each other and we went like, okay, we filled the scout. So I don't think we have to ask any more questions. I think New Zealand can stand in for Montana. Is it possible to say, you know, that the, these sorts of areas of New Zealand lend themselves to these sorts of settings and so on and so forth? Uh, look, yes, Central Otago and, and the, you know, around the Ida Valley and, and, and that, that sort of area, it's all very dry and it's a very good place to shoot uh, American cheats. Cheating means you're trying to pass one place off as another. For example, you take a movie set in Oregon and shoot it in the Waikato, you're quote-unquote cheating. I just did a film not long ago, an Amazon, small Amazon film, where we uh, cheated the central Otago area for around Tekapur and Twizel. Uh, we cheated it for Texas. So, you, you know, it, and, it's, and we cheated it for Texas, and it was meant to be the summer, Texas summer, and we were shooting this in the middle of, I think it was the beginning of July. So, 
So it was sort of um, it was pretty cold. In fact, it was freezing, but but um, but it, we had sunny days, and it was a great shade for Texas. So so those are the sorts of you know, and and or anywhere where it's super dry, we would go. Oh, that was where I would I would aim in that general direction mm-hmm. of of uh, Central Otago, and then and then you get things like uh, we recently on the same little Amazon job I just did was. Uh, we we now there are some places where we can do certain things more likely now. Um, for example, Christchurch, um, the city council there allowed us to and NZTA to Waka Kotahi allowed us to close two motorways um, over mm-hmm. consecutive weekends, and um, that and we were able to close both sides for approximately six to seven k's each way. So there's certain reasons why we would go to that region to go and shoot that sort of thing because we know we can do it. Sure. I mean, it would not be possible to close six, seven k's of an Auckland motorway or a Wellington motorway for both sides for, for you know, from 5 a.m. in the morning to 12 noon. So, you know, look, there's in Wellington City, you know, the ease of filming in Wellington City, uh, we'd like to shoot there because we can get a very nice, a really lovely looking urban environment mm-hmm. with tall buildings and we can, uh, and it's a very film friendly council. So, um, so we go to Wellington City for that sort of stuff. And, and then corresponding, we go up to Auckland because we've got, you know, black sand beaches on one side and we've got golden sand beaches on the other side of, of the coast. And so you get this great variety. So every region has its strong points. And the only limitation for traveling outside of the, you know, the, the key filming areas we have is Wellington and Auckland and to a lesser extent Queenstown. The reason we don't film as often as we would like to outside of those key areas is because we have to travel the infrastructure. We have to travel the equipment. So, but that's sort of changing, and I hope it changes a lot more as because it, it helps us expanding the industry in New Zealand if we can grow our regions. And um, you know, Canterbury being particularly one of them, and um, and Dunedin, of course, as well. Filming of the show obviously overlapped with the pandemic. Were you? Were you in New Zealand for all of that? How did that sort of all unfold from your point of view? I suppose, in a sense, that must be sort of a worse nightmare from a making a TV show point of view for a global pandemic to strike halfway through filming. It was um, not ideal. Uh, <laughs> that is fact. Um, but it um, it was okay. Look, New Zealand took on an incredible policy in terms of how they wanted to tackle the pandemic. Um, and they created an environment that was safe, despite our assuming all of the necessary protocols that were, you know, required in terms of filming in large groups. New Zealand provided a, a safe environment, which made the idea of filming, especially for the actors, to be able to take off their masks when we were about to roll a camera, but feel confident in the intimacy with the other actors because they had felt an intimacy out in the world and in the streets of New Zealand, it made a big difference in, in the show. And I think that it also, I feel really bonded the entire production and especially the cast that had come from abroad, because once we had come into New Zealand, there was really no going home Mm -hmm. until we were finished. And normally, you know, people come in, they have a few weeks off, they go travel here, they go back home to see a loved one. We were kind of all there and we were like, we're here and we're staying here until we are done making this. So it was, uh, it was far from what felt at first like a not ideal version of things. It actually became a pretty empowering thing to be in New Zealand and to be able to film during that time. How is your Kiwi slang these days? If I um, asked you whether you had a pair of jandals, would you know what I was talking about there? 
Uh, no, my Kiwi slang is awful. I think that the Kiwis kept the Kiwi slang from me so that they could use the Kiwi slang around me and I wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of why my Kiwi slang is so bad. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. No, we're very protective yeah. of it. You have to pass a test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I do, uh, I will say, um, I did not necessarily develop a great taste for a meat pie, <laughs> but but I do love a flat white. <laughs> Cowboy Bebop is airing now on Netflix. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansel and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Andre Nemec and Clayton Tikau. Matewa. Matewa.